This is Smart Women, Smart Power, a podcast that features conversations with some of the world's most powerful women. The national defense strategy really focuses us on near-peer competitors. The U.S. government, in fact, increased its contribution to WFP in order to assist. Everything that we do in space, a lot of it can be applied to our life on Earth. We feature women who are breaking barriers and shaping the future of foreign policy, national security, international business, and development. As a young girl growing up in rural Kenya, Dr. Kakenya Ntaya dreamed of becoming a teacher. Cultural tradition in her village dictated that she end her education once she hit puberty, undergo circumcision, and then get married and have a family. But Dr. Kakenya broke with tradition. She negotiated with her father and later with village elders to continue her education. Dr. Kakenya finished high school, graduated from college, and earned a PhD from the University of Pittsburgh. In return for her village's support, Dr. Kakenya promised to come back and help her community. In 2009, she established the Kakenya Center for Excellence, a boarding school for young girls. Her efforts have allowed hundreds of young girls to get an education and to avoid forced early marriage and female circumcision. Dr. Kakenya and two of her students visited Washington back in February. I spoke with them about the importance of girls' education and the students' excitement about seeing snow for the first time. We hope you'll enjoy this first Smart Girls, Smart Power episode. It's one of many to come. Dr. Kakenya and Taya, thank you so much for being here with Smart Women, Smart Power. You've brought two of your students with you, and we're thrilled to have them as well. Abigail San and Sylvia Matanda, both students at the Kakenya Center for Excellence in Kenya. And I'm glad to have all of you here on Smart Women, Smart Power. Thank you. Before we talk about the school you founded and Kakenya's dream, uh, let's talk about how you challenged tradition to be able to be where you are today. Tell our listeners how you convinced your father to let you finish high school and then uh, come to the United States and go to college. Thank you so much, Beverly, for having us. Um, so I grew up in a rural Maasai village called Enosa in, in southwestern Kenya. Um, it's about 250 miles from Nairobi, our capital city. Um, it's uh, I grew up in a typical uh, Maasai village where the roles for women and the role for men were very defined. Um, as a young girl, you grow up and the expectation is for you to be a wife at 13, 12, 13, um, and you start your own family. So I At 12 or 13 uh, years yes, old. So I was engaged when I was five years old. Um, I happened to go to school, um, but in in school, we girls went to school just for socialization. And um, the, by the time you're in sixth grade, seventh grade, girls just start dropping off and start getting married. Um, I was the first of I'm the first of eight in my family, um, and what that meant is that I had to help my mother um, take care of my siblings, uh, work in the farm, you know, collect water, you know, the countless work that girls do. Um, so when I went to school, um, you know, I really wanted to become a teacher because uh, they inspired me. Um, they dressed nicely. They, you know. There were women who didn't work hard in the farm, like I thought, you know, working in it as a teacher was an easy job for me. So I thought I wanted to become a teacher. 
But because I was uh, already engaged, uh, there was already a husband waiting for me. Uh, and at 13, uh, 12 years old, I underwent female genital mutilation, which is a traditional rite of passage uh, to become a woman. And at that time, I knew that if I go through that cultural practice or rite of passage to become a woman, I was going to be married. So I had to approach my dad and say, I would only go through female genital cutting if you allow me to go back to school. Um, he knew, you know, otherwise I was going to run away. And the rite of passage is such a uh, held as a high prestigious thing in the society. And so if I ran away, it will bring shame to my family and my father's name will be uh, destroyed. And so he knew and I knew <laughs> that this was it. So I I bargained with him um, and I went through the female genital cutting and went to school. And my story is different. It turned out to be different and here we are. <laughs> but it must have taken a lot of courage to challenge a culture, a cultural tradition that everybody takes part in because you did you did the the cutting but you went back to school and then you further negotiated with the village elders to get to come to college in the US I mean how did the, you do at that the, at the age of 13 um y- you know I had a there are two options for me um one was to at least try to convince my dad that I would go to school or go through the cut and get married. So there was not, I mean, the, the best option was to try and convince my dad. So I didn't really have any other option. And I don't think I was thinking it's courage and, and all of that. It was part of uh, looking at the life that my mother was living and really never wanted to live like her. And I, you know, when I talked to my dad, I knew this is what I wanted to do. And um, the was was going to be there anyway. So uh, later on, it was not easy because uh, after going to high school, uh, I continued to do well in school. Um, but again, I got a scholarship, you know, I had got a scholarship to attend college. But there is also always this perception that women can't, uh, girls can't. And the older I was becoming in the society, it everybody was saying, you know, putting bad words, you know, why is a girl still not married? Why is she moving around? You know, there are all these negative attitudes about a girl who has not been married. And uh, of course, I didn't have many friends. <laughs> uh, but um, I think what I knew, I was focused on the f- life that I will get after I finish my education. Mm-hmm. And we should say you're a graduate of Randolph College. It was known at the time at as Randolph-Macon Women's College yeah. in Virginia. And you have a doctorate in education from the University of Pittsburgh. Yes, and absolutely. <laughs> you took all of your knowledge because part of the agreement with the village elders was that you would come back and help the community. And that's how your school started. Yeah. Um, I mean, growing up, I never liked seeing girls getting married. I never liked seeing girls going through the female genital cutting. I hated seeing my father beating my mother. And I lived in this life of despair and, you know, shame. And and I knew that if I went to college away, and of course, I knew that if I could become that better person, that teacher I wanted to come back and like change the story for other girls I wanted to take them in I wanted to support the women I I listened to their stories and I just 
I was one of them. <laughs> I could have ended up getting married in the village and living the life they were living. So I knew that um, if I could be better, I want others to be better. So, And it was my sisters, it was my cousins, it was the neighbors that we played with. I mean, it is the children of the girls who got married when I, you know, when I was in seventh grade that I needed to help. I needed to change the story of their children. So I... When I came, um, I went back, and of course, I was trying to build the school, and the story is another case. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to talk about that. And I know our listeners will probably be curious as to why we're focused so much on the education part of your story rather than the FGM part. But you were here at CSIS and spoke with our uh, Global Health podcast, uh, Take As Directed, and you talked with Janet Fleischman all about FGM. So uh, we won't have you repeat that here. And for those uh, who want to hear what you uh told Janet, listen to take as directed. Um, but I want to talk to you about the school and the two lovely students that you've brought with you here today. Um, um, you kept your promise, you returned, you built the school. Uh, tell us about, uh, it's a boarding school, but tell us about what the girls learn. And is it is it true that it's a condition, parents agree to let their girls come there, they won't undergo FGM, and they won't be forced to be married very early, right? Absolutely. Um, so the premises of who I am, I mean, the person I am today is because of an education. I went to school and many opportunities opened for me and my world was changed. And I believe so much that there's so many things that are happening in the world. If we could focus on empowerment, especially of women and girls, we would have a different story. Um, so my school, the princesses, the princess that I built the school for girls, I wanted the girls to be safe. Um, that's why it's a boarding school. There are no walk, long walks to school and home where many girls get raped and many things happen to them. And when they're home, they're not studying. They're taking care of siblings, cooking and all the other things. So they're not focused on learning. Um, and knowing at the end of the day is that in Kenya we have a very um, test-oriented uh, academic where in eighth grade you have to pass this national exam that decides which high school you go to. So if you don't do well, you're left out. And this exam doesn't say a girl was home taking care of children. It says that, you know, we all have to do the same exams. I really wanted to focus on the girls. Um, the parents, I, I, the reason I, I think I always told the parents that I, you know, I want the girls to thrive. I want them to dream. And so when they come to my school, I tell them that FGM is one of the things that hinders the girls from continuing with school. Early marriages is the hindrance to them continuing with school. And so those are the very first thing you have to agree with me. Um, and if you don't agree, we will deal with you <laughs> accordingly. Uh, but it's been really very, uh, for me, it's been, uh, uh, it was hard in the beginning. But now after the parents have seen what an educated girl looks like, it's a different story. And let's talk to the young women here. We'll start with Sylvia. Sylvia, what grade are you in? And tell me about your school experience. I'm in grade eight. When I joined Kakenya Center for Excellence, my ch my life changed so much. Tell us how it changed. In my old school, we didn't have health and leadership camps. 
health and leadership camp is a is a session in which we come to school during holidays being taught about self defense which is is anything you say or do to make you safe we also learn being confident about fgm which is a bad cultural activity and learn so much mm-hmm. in my old school we didn't have a library in my school in kce we have a good library full of books we have enough time to study because we don't have to walk home long distance back home and coming to school mm-hmm. And Abigail, let's talk about you. What grade are you in? I'm in grade eight. Oh, when I joined Kakenya Center of Excellence, my life changed. Uh, in the former school, we did we did not have field trips, but in Kakenya Center we have, and we did not have a library, and also we have good teachers, and we are provided with school uniform. And we attend games where we know our talents. And explain for the American audience, a lot of times in schools uh, in Kenya, uh, if you don't have a uniform, you can't go to school. Yeah, uh, uniform is a big hindrance to uh, kids going to school in rural areas and in poor families. So we provide uniform. And for us also, it's, um, again, I go back to the principles of myself, seeing a female teacher <laughs> dress nicely. And there's a really pride and identity when it comes to the uniforms. Um, and they, all our girls uh, love that uniform. Uh, I think I want to talk about a little bit about uh, field trips that um, Abigail mentioned. Uh, field trip is really about exposure. Um, so we are in a very rural place where, you know, we are out, like we are left out. But You were saying that yeah. it's about an eight-hour drive from Nairobi. from Nairobi. So most of the students who come from the school have never been to Kisumu, for example, where there's, there are different uh, communities there or fishing communities. So you go there to learn about the things that you're learning in class. We go to Nakuru, we go to Nairobi, and it's really about I came from the village to America, which is a shocking. I was going to ask, what <laughs> must that have been like it was for you when you arrived? So it's, it's a whole different story, but I think can I you shared. <laughs> can you share an example that our audience might uh, uh, so be I able to understand? I can just talk about um, the cafeteria, for example, where at Randolph College, where I attended. It was like full of food. And home, I only had one option. I cooked whatever we cooked. That was it. There was no options. Um, I couldn't understand the light. Um, the, the electricity is there all the time. So outside it could be dark, but inside it's like daytime. Day and night, it's like light. So that had a lot of issues with me. The supermarkets are huge. I mean, we have these tiny little shops. So it was just a whole cart. And of course, of course, I talked about, you know, the snow. Everything was just different. Um, And I really work very hard to make sure that my girls, they're prepared, you know, on their journey up for, 
you know, every journey they take, it's really about exposure and staying out. And this is where they're seeing women drive, they're seeing women going to work, they're seeing they go to the parliament in Kenya, they see other women from other tribes and communities thriving, and they start seeing themselves in them. So that's really about exposure and, and showing them what's out there. Um, so we, we love field trips. <laughs> and this is a field trip of sorts. You both told me this is your first time to be in the United States. What what do you think? What have you seen? What have you done? I've been to Model United Nations Model Conference. Model UN. Uh-huh. We've learned so much. I met so many people which I've never met in my life. I met people of different kinds. Mm-hmm. We were together, learning together and discussing on issues affecting different countries in the world. Mm-hmm. We got resolutions on gender discrimination and racism. Mm-hmm. And racism, we say that we should educate other people to, to respect and to help other people no matter how they are or their color. Uh-huh. Thank you, Sylvia. Abigail, what what have you seen and done? What's impressed you most? Attended the MMUN conference where we made resolutions to end cybercrime and stop the spread of counterfeit drugs. And I was represented at the Republic of Kenya and we requested the United Nations help us stop cybercrime. Cybercrime. <laughs> That's something that is affecting the entire world yep. right now. Yes. How many girls are in the school and how many have you graduated and and how have they done? So at the boarding school, we have uh, close to 200 girls um, in fourth through eighth grade. Um, or our girls then graduate, they continue to high school. Um, and so our program at the boarding school is really about preparing them for high school. And uh, so they live there. Um, up until this year, we didn't have our own high school. So what we did is that we took the girls to different high schools where, so we keep growing. I kept growing with my girls. So uh, many programs tend to say primary education is the best thing, which is great. You know, we can talk about women delaying marriage and all of that. But if you don't give a girl a high school education, they're really left out. In my community, um, only 17% of women continue to high school. 17%. Only 17%. So we ensure that all the girls from high school, they did really well. They went to national schools. Um, so they went into high school. And uh, in that, we have about another 200 girls who are finishing high school, um, in high school and continuing. Uh, we Our first graduate uh, graduated last year from high school, and they started university. Um, and that very first time to see the cohort of girls you know, massive going to college was really exciting for me. And I think this is constantly opening up to my community that if we give girls an opportunity to learn, Mm -hmm. they will continue. They will be our leaders. They will do well. I mean, I've been fortunate to get a scholarship for three of them to attend university in Australia. Um, And every one of them is attending university in different parts of Kenya. Uh, They're studying engineering. They're studying IT. They're doing nursing. They're doing teachers. They're doing accounting. Um, This is the future. I mean, I I strongly believe that. And, And one of the things that I really insist is mentoring throughout. So 
in in eighth grade, these girls and going into high school, we do a mentoring program where we attach one of our girls to a student who is in college in Kenya. So they could be a girl from a different tribe, a different community who is in college because we don't have many people in my community who are in college. So they have to look up. And the idea is to have that mentorship because they will ask and see themselves going to university. And that has really helped them. Uh, mentoring career guidance, because again, you have to choose your career. And if your father and mother has never gone to school, who is going to sit down there? There's no like a counseling in high school where it helps you to career and counseling. So we work with our girls to really shape them to ensure that they are prepared and for the future. And that's what I that's what we do. I have to ask, do people realize the impact this is going to have on Kenya's economy, having all of these young women educated, contributing? They may be entrepreneurs who build businesses in Kenya. Absolutely. And I think one of the things people, we tend to not see the future. We tend to see just now. But I am in, I am investing in the future. Because that's the future I want to see. I want to see women in power. I want to see women owning businesses. I want to see women everywhere leading. Because I, I, I strongly believe that we need to change the face of leadership in Africa, <laughs> uh, including my own country, uh, where when you look at the picture, you just see all these amazing, wonderful men. And then they're talking about women issues. And they don't even understand. So why shouldn't we have women being there? Why shouldn't we have a Kenyan woman president? Um, and that's that's what I want to do. And that's what I do. I tell these girls every day, the future is yours. Anything you want, you're going to step on my shoulder and you're going to rise. And uh, you have to, you know, that's their place. You mentioned that there are about 200 girls in the school. I can only imagine that there are more who want to be there. Um, how have you seen that change from the time you started to now? It's been a challenge. So the very first time when we took our first girls, 100 girls had come applying. Of course, I had hoped for 10. <laughs> I ended up with 30 girls. Uh, but last year, we had 300 girls applying. Um, and how many slots? Only can you- uh, 40, 40 slots. Uh, I used to believe in starting with 15, but when you see 100 girls, the story changes. So we ha- take uh, 14, uh, 40 students. Um, it's uh, still a small size class compared to many schools in the region because most schools have about 70 average in a class. I would like to see less, but the demand is so high and you can't just justify because you want a small space. <laughs> you want fewer kids to to send the others home. Um, so that's it's it's a big huge demand. Uh-huh. And how do you fundraise in order? Do you have plans for expanding? Would you like to expand? Uh, yes, every day. <laughs> I am in the process of building actually a second school, uh, K through 12. Uh-huh. Um, we started with the phase one, which we call our high school. Uh, so we have about 50 students in high school now in nine and 10th grade. Um, because we'll, what we realized, what we've learned over the years is that we have sending girls throughout the country. We have no control over what, how they're learning in the classroom. So we miss a lot of molding uh, during critical years of high school. So we want to do that. You know, girls come to our own school and continue there. Um, the primary school, we started in fourth grade. 
um, so when we take the girls, some of the girls can read, some of the girls can write. Um, you can tell that from them. So some of them can't write. Um, and when they come in, we spend so much time trying to prepare them to read and write. So we want to go to K and really prepare them so that they shoot for the sky. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. And Sylvia, let me come back to you. Uh, what do you want to do with your education that you're getting? What do you want to be when you're older? Do you know yet? I'd like to be a pilot. A pilot? Yeah. That's awesome. I'd like to be a pilot because I want to fulfill my dreams of visiting so many countries in the world. One of the countries is Netherlands. You want to go to the Netherlands? <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. And so you must have really enjoyed the flight coming over to the United States. Yeah. <laughs> Abigail? I would like to be a lawyer because... We I'll... need more lawyers in the world. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> because I would like justice and fairness to be done to all citizens. That's why we need more lawyers in the world. Absolutely. <laughs> That's exactly why. Um, so what else are you going to be able to do while you're here in the United States? Are there things that you would like to see, particularly since you're here in Washington? Sylvia? I'd like to see and touch the snow because I've never seen snow in my life. And for our listeners, at the time we're recording this, Washington is expecting to get some snow. <laughs> is that all? Yeah. You just want to see the snow? Yes. All right. Abigail? I would like to visit Atlanta so that you can see the raw material of Coca-Cola. Ah, very good. Very good. Have you seen things here in Washington? Have you been able to visit any of the monuments? Yeah. Which did you have, Do you have a favorite? And my favorite monument is actually, and this is going to sound kind of kind of depressing, but I love the Korean War memorial here because it is very it, it, it's very inspirational because it's it's um, it has the faces of the soldiers and you can see them up close Shoot, we went there you, did you go there yeah that that's one of my favorites I also like the um, uh, the Lincoln Memorial for all of the history that it represents I like the story about Martin Luther King jr ah because he fought for the rights of the black people and equality and also stopped slave trade. That, um, the Dr. King Memorial is also another one of my favorites. As you can see, I, <laughs> yeah, well, I jumped, live here yeah. and I love them all, but <laughs> I've mentioned three of my very favorites. Yes, I love the King Memorial. Abigail? I like King Lada Memorial because he fought for the rights of Africans and people with disabilities. All right. Thank you so much. And if folks want to donate and help, how can they do that? Um, you can go to our website, www.kakenyasdream.org, um, or you know, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, at Kakenyas Dream. Um, you learn a lot about us. We also have a newsletter on our website. So if you can sign up for the newsletter, you'll hear about the stories of the girls. We try to keep everybody informed because it's the support of so many people who are making this possible. Well, Dr. Kakenya and Taya, thank you so much. I am very inspired by the work you're doing and inspired by Abigail and Sylvia. And uh, I'm looking forward to what you guys do because I think you're going to rock the world. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Beverly. Thank you for joining me. <laughs> Thank you. 
Subscribe to the Smart Women Smart Power podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to good content. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Smart Women, and I'm at Beverly Kirk. Thanks for listening. See you next time.